You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. There's so much uncertainty out there. Um, you've got so much geopolitical risk. You've got uh, you know threats of stagflation. You've got threats of recession. You know all these things. Gold thrives in, and not only that, it's on sale. You know your insurance is on sale right now. So the thing that that, that that you need to own, that you need to hold with all these uncertainties taking place is on sale. Welcome back into Mining Stock Education. And we're touching base with the junior miner junkie, David Erfley, website juniorminerjunkiewithawai.com. It's 2023, David, happy new year. Give us your analysis of GDXJ relative to GLD. How are the miners performing relative to the price of gold? Yes, happy New Year indeed. Finally, for us, for us, uh, gold bugs. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty incredible start to the to the year, but it's really not surprising the way I've I've been reporting it for over over the past month or so. But yeah, I mean, uh, the GDXJ and the GDX had really strong resistance at thirty seven and thirty respectively, um, and those those uh, levels of resistance were tested three times coming into 2023 in the past five weeks and uh, reversed uh, uh, kind of sharply from those levels. But the consolidation remained in a, in a high consolidation after after the, after going up 40% in a couple of months. So, you know, a lot of analysts were expecting a big pullback because, you know, that's, that's a pretty huge move in a short period of time after, you know, something that's been decimated for so long. But this week, it started off as testing it again. And now today it's, it's risen above it. You know, we haven't closed today yet. And I know that the fed minutes have just been released. I haven't seen what they say, or I haven't seen what the, what the, what the gold price and the gold stocks have reacted to it, but um, they're trading well above those levels now of 30 and 37. And if we see weekly closes above those levels, then that will be very bullish going forward. I mean, it looks very good uh, for the, for the sector going into 2023. And you're more bullish gold than you are the commodity complex as well, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially the juniors. I mean, they've just been taken out in the backyard and beaten ferociously with an ugly stick, you know, and, you know, nobody wants them. Everybody sold them. Um, if you take a look at, at uh, a good, a, a good uh, a barometer to look at, I know it's, it's only, it's only 50% uh, miners, but if you take a look at the, at the, at the TSX venture in Canada, um, about half of it is miners now. But if you look at the volume over the past eight months, which is when the capitulation phase was happening in the sector, um, the volume is, a, is the lowest it's been since the beginning of the secular bull market in at the turn of the century. And at the turn of the century, that gold bull market that began, it began after a 20-year bear market. So, um, you know, everybody was out of this out of this sector last year after tax loss. I'm selling. I'm out. And the very first day of the year, if you take a look at, at the performance of what happened with the S&P 500, the, lar- the best performer in the S&P 500 was the largest gold miner in the world, five percent, while Tesla was the worst performer, went down 12 percent. And uh, Newmont now, if you take a look at its chart, it's very bullish. It's, it's created a bullish six-month base, and now it's knocking on the door of what was formerly strong support at 51.52, and um, while paying a four and a half percent dividend. I mean, Newmont went up to went up to uh, all-time highs over 80, 
And then it just got beat down so far, so fast. It went down over 50% within the space of about four months. And that just got, took out all the generalist investors for me. And they look at Newmont and they say, wow, the, the, the largest gold miner in the world is trading like a junior penny stock. Why would I want to own gold stocks? I'm out. And of course, that's the best time to, 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 to start to participate in the sector when you start to see fishing lines and all these fantastic juniors, you know, that have, that the management teams have done all the right things, but they've been a victim of circumstance and sentiment and the gold price not keeping up with inflation that everybody thought was, was going to take place. But if we, if we but if by the end of the year, you know, going into the end of the year, everybody was was saying how un, how underperforming under, underperforming gold was, and how the gold stock were you know were, were were doing so bad. But gold ended up ended up being basic and ending basically the year where it where it began. I think it was down five dollars on the year. But if you take a look at the gold stocks and especially the juniors, you'd think gold was down five hundred dollars. So this just created opportunity. Last year was the most incredible opportunity I'd seen since late 2015, which was the last time I, I, I did this on a large scale was, was start to accumulate beaten down juniors. You know, the uglier the chart, the better in, in, in a company. If I like the company and I like what it was doing, the uglier the chart, the better. You know, um, that's that's when you when you accumulate these things. You know, I mean, you buy fishing lines and you sell rhino horns. So, you know, the coming up now in in, in twenty twenty three, I think the the biggest the, the buzzword of twenty twenty three. I know you haven't asked me this, but you're probably going to just ramble. But I think it's uncertainty. You know, um, people are uncertain about the economy. People are uncertain about geopolitics. People are, I mean, they're even uncertain in the House. They can't even elect a, a, a House speaker. It's, you know, have, you know they, they, for, for the first time in a century, they've, they've gone into, into power, the House, the Republicans have, and they, can, they can't even, uh, you know, uh, announce a speaker. So there's so much uncertainty out there. Um, you've got so much geopolitical risk. You've got, uh, you know, threats of stagflation. You've got threats of recession. You know, all these things, gold thrives in. And not only that, it's on sale. You know, your insurance is on sale right now. So the thing that, 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 that you need to own, that you need to hold with all these uncertainties taking place is on sale. So uncertainty is the word for 2023. Therefore, are you going to use like the VIX as a hedge? Do you play the volatility ETF at all? Uh, well, as, as far as, you know, my junior stock portfolio, you know, which, which I use for my business that, that my subscribers mirror what I do, you know, I've spent far too much time uh, accumulating these things at bargain basement prices, you know, over the past several months that I'm basically in be right, sit tight mode. You know, I've worked very hard, you know, creating these relationships with all these, with all these management teams of all these companies, you know, uh, which gives you the more and more confidence to hold these things for a longer period of time. So last year, the biggest challenge was collecting the right companies at the right price, getting, accumulating as many shares, you know, in a basket of the best companies that you possibly can to hold for the next couple of years. Now, this year, the biggest, which is, this is an even bigger challenge this year because, you know, anybody can buy a, a stock that's undervalued, you know, and, but, but to, to, to sell it at the right time, that's where the expertise comes in. So what I'm going to be concentrating on now this year is basically 
how, how many shares can I continue to hold while I sell a portion of them to retain my original investment? Where do I do that? So I can hold the, the company longer term at no risk. So that's, that, that's the key in this sector is, is to being successful in this sector is, main t- is, is managing your risk both on the upside and the downside. Dave, uh, Rick Rule refers to the point that you just described as the point of no concern, not the point of no return, the exactly. point of no concern, right? <laughs> exactly. I've learned quite a bit from that man. Yes. And um, uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's and, and what was taking place toward the end of last year was was very exciting. You know, you take a look at these stocks. It's, it, it doesn't feel exciting when you're buying these charts that look so ugly. And but. But you know that, and I know, you know, being, you know, a 20-year veteran of the sector, this is the third time, basically, that I've done this, where I've collected gold stocks at a seven-year gold cycle low, which I've written and talked about before, the gold stocks bottom every seven years. Late 2015, I did it in in, uh, Q4 of 2008. That was more difficult because that was a spike low. Didn't have a lot of time to accumulate uh, a basket of stocks. You just, you know, you just had to basically buy a position, you know, when it was really ugly and then add, add to it as, as the stock was going higher. It was a lot easier this time, the last two times, same thing in, two, in late 2015, you know, that the sector built, built a, a six month cumulative base as the gold price, after the gold price had corrected 50%. And it was, and it was, and it was bottoming around 1045 before it doubled in 40 years to 20 to, 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 90. So now we've had a couple of years of consolidation, but we've had massive capitulation in the, in the junior sector. There's all these signs, though, that, that we're coming out of it. You know, the, the financing windows have opened up for the good companies. The crappy companies are still, you know, holding out hope to get financed, but the good companies are being financed. I mean, I even had one company that um, I started to accumulate and then I was waiting for the finance for them to announce to buy the rest of my position. And I'd been in contact with the company and I said to myself, you know what, I better buy this. I better buy the rest of my position sooner than they announced the, the finance because it's because I, I think it has a chance to go a lot higher once they announce the finance. Is the because the, the share structure is pretty tight and I know a lot of people are waiting for this finance. So sure enough, when it was announced, the stock blasted higher. And it, it went up so high, it, it, the, the company announced a full warrant with the finance. And, and the stock actually tested the warrant price a week after that took place. This, things like this happen in bull markets, not at, the, not at the end of a vicious bear market in the junior sector. So, you know, you've, and, and there was a couple more financings that were the, where the market acted positive. So, you know, the, the money's out there for the right companies. The money's not out there for the wrong companies yet, but that's coming. So regarding financings, uh, the Canadian authorities, they, a couple months ago, changed the rules to where you can raise up to $5 million or up to 10 million, I think, if your market cap is like 100 million or more, Mm -hmm. with no prospectus and no hold on the stock. So uh, Joe Mazumdar actually liked this when I chatted with him recently. Um, what's your thoughts, Dave? He said, watch out though for the flow through, the non-charity flow through oh. with this model. You got to watch out if you're a retail investor, what would be Absolutely. your thoughts? Well, I understand why he likes it because it's, you know, it's it's an incentive to raise more money, which is what we need. We need we, we need capital coming in to this, to this sector. 
I mean, it's been starved for capital for quite some time. I mean, um, you know, when, when the gold, when the juniors were, were, were tumbling, um, the, the, the capital markets just completely dried up. So if you were a junior that didn't raise when you were supposed to raise, you were pretty much screwed. And you were, you know, you were doomed to a life of, of massive dilution once you were able to finally raise. So I, I understand what he means when he says that. But yeah, I mean, um, it's, you know, I personally have, have stopped participating in, in, pri in private placements, A, because the rules have gotten so draconian for U.S. investors. You know, the, the, the legend removal process is, is ridiculous. We have to wait longer to sell our shares. We have to pay more money to get into financings. I mean, there's just, there's have sold legend removal, will sell it. It's just all these different rules for us. And you mean the translation fees when you say we have to pay more exactly. money? That's what yeah, you the mean. Translation, yeah, the transaction fees. for clarity. Yeah, yeah. They, they just want to make it as detrimental as possible for U.S. investors. Because I don't understand because a lot of capital comes from the U.S. into these companies. So you know, plus that's one reason. And another reason is the last three months, juniors have been trading at perpetual warrant prices. So why should I bother taking a chance in a private placement in in a company when I can? scoop up shares basically that are trading for at such ridiculously low levels, they're perpetual warrants. So I don't even have to, to deal with that risk. And that's the great thing for, for retail subscribers right now too, because, you know, because, you know, when, when the, when the, when the bull market gets going and private placements come out and retail investors see these guys get these, you know, founder shares, whatever, and they, and, and they get, you know, they get these private placements and they get these warrants and they feel like, you know, they, they feel like the, the, de the deck is stacked against them. You know, I've been there. I understand that. And so now you don't have that. You don't have to worry about that. Right now, you can buy some of these stocks cheaper than what than what management paid for them. So, you know, it's and you've got a, you've got a leg up now. If you've got cash right now, you know, then you've got you've got a leg up on a lot of these 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 uh, management teams that paid a lot more money for their shares earlier. They're averaging down. You take watch watch the insider sales, watch the insider buys. You know, if if you see the company that's on your watch list and CEO starts to buy, management starts to buy. You know, that's a very good sign, uh, a very good sign. Um, and you, you call them up and you find you find out how much they own and you find out how much they paid for them, and you find out find out how much aligned they are with shareholders. Then you don't have to worry about that much dilution because if a company, you know, you've got management that's got, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 percent of the shares and they're and they're all in cost is 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 around where it is now or maybe a little higher to where the stock's trading now. You don't have to worry about that much dilution because these guys aren't going to dilute themselves over dilute themselves. They're going to do what they can to 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 put to 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 uh, move their projects forward with the least amount of dilution as possible. That's a great point. And Dave, I was going through my warrant history with private placements to your point, And most of the time they're not in the money, but I've had a couple of them that they've been so in the money though. Oh yeah. All it honestly, takes is one or two. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes up for all the extra hassle for the exactly. other ones, honestly though. <laughs> yep. All it takes is that one or two because you could, you say to yourself, Oh man, there's another one I screwed up on that, that, that I'm going to lose money on. There's another one that they start to pile up. But then, you know, that light goes off and you, you, you remember the, the, that one that you had or the, those two that you had where you had 20 baggers in the stock and you had, you know, 10, you know, 15 baggers in the warrants. You know, I mean, I, I, 
I ended up uh, putting a down payment on my house with, with a company that I had warrants in that I got into a private placement at the right time. And fortunately, I got my subscribers in as well. So that's, you know, it's just, a, it's just, it's, you have, you have to put yourself in the position to be lucky because a lot of it is luck, but you just have to put yourself in the position to be lucky. I mean, people say that, you know, you got lucky with this, you got lucky with that, but yeah, I put myself in the position to be lucky. And that's, that's what these private placements do. You know, you just, and the longer you're in the sector, the, the more relationships that, that, that you build, the stronger the relationships you hear about, the management teams stay away from, you know, the ones that, 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 that you can, that you can invest in and invest with, you trust them and your, your odds of success, you know, just get that much higher when you build these strong relationships, which, which I've been able to do now that I've been in the sector for 20 years. Before you go, you've been highlighting what's going on in Ecuador in your newsletter. Um, really indications that Ecuador is becoming more mining friendly. They also had an investment agreement with Solaris Resources mm-hmm. uh, that was recently announced. Could you give your thoughts on Ecuador, please? Yeah, it is. It is getting a little. It is getting better. That used to be a, a, a country that was that was on my no do not invest in list. And I've got a few companies on the on my watch list now that are. That have got projects in Ecuador. I have, I've yet to invest in any yet, but um, there's a couple that I probably would if I had to sell something and switch it out. So it, it is getting a little better. And some other companies are getting, some other countries that were better are getting worse in South America. Chile, for one, I know it's, it looks like it's, it's starting to get a little better after it got worse. So, uh, but yeah, it's, that's the other thing you got to watch out for in 2023 is, is uh, jurisdictional uncertainties in a lot of these countries because some of them that used to be top tier jurisdictions might not be top tier jurisdictions anymore and even if you have you know if you're looking at a project in a top tier jurisdiction you want to make sure that the people want it first it doesn't care it doesn't matter how great the jurisdiction is the people have to want it there's there's been there's been plenty of projects out there that that the, the company got these great deals on these projects and they started to risk it and all of a sudden the people didn't want it and it doesn't matter if the jurisdiction's top here or not. If the people don't want it, it's not going to get built and the share price will go nowhere. So when you're doing your due diligence on that point and you're wanting to see if the locals support the project, you're in California. Our listeners to the show are all over the place. You know, the, com- the projects in South America, how are you going to do due diligence? Do you look for, you can read Spanish. So do you go to the local newspapers? Do you type in the project name? Like, are, are there any practical steps you could give? Well, sure. I mean, you, well, I'm, fortunately for me, you know, I, I get to go on site visits every once in a while. That, that's a good way for me to do it. But, and also, you know, I, I usually know somebody in the company. I have a relationship with them and I'm able to find out these things. Um, but yeah, uh, just everything's at your fingertips and you don't even have to read Spanish. You know, you could just, you could just uh, go Google, Google Translate. Translate. <laughs> things out. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the great thing and the bad thing about the information age. You know, you've got all this information at your fingertips, but you also got access to bad information at the same time. So it's up to you to weed out what's bad and what's good. And the more experience you have in this sector, the be- the, the easier it becomes for you. It's it's, it's always a challenge. It's always going to be a challenge. It's why I like the se- why I love the sector so much because it's it's the ultimate challenge. To make money in the sector is the ultimate challenge. And um, but don't you think you do, investors today versus twenty years ago they have an advantage because you have way more information? Oh, it doesn't absolutely. have to go through your broker. You can go on the internet and get it yourself. Absolutely, 
Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, when I sold my house after making so much money in junior space and was traveling around the world for five years, you know, I mean, that's, I was able to do everything digitally. All I had was, was, you know, internet, as long as I had internet connection, I had access to see all the information I needed. And I was able to further my education and see, and see the world at the same time. Excellent. Well, Dave's website is juniorminerjunkiewithay.com. Comes on the show once a month. Dave's one of my six plus year mentors. I've learned a lot from him. As you can see, he can talk junior mining stocks all days. I've spent time with him at conferences and we'll talk junior mining stocks for eight hours straight. <laughs> so you're a walking encyclopedia, Dave, and I really appreciate you coming on the show this month. Always a pleasure, Bill. Happy New Year to all your listeners and um, continue to be patient and uh, your patience is going to, I th think this is the year your patience is going to pay off. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.